welcome to the End Zone Militia, uh, brought to you by here first. We're going to have a uh, the LC Tiger Sports Live studio, like always. Great place. Phenomenal. And uh, brought to you by also with SWAT and Welding with uh, Norm Zyder and Three Court Studios with Shane Hollenbaugh. I'm your host, Isaiah Marco, with my co-host, Phil Snow, the stats guy. I am the snowman, and just remember that stats are cool. Indeed, they are. So we're going to jump right into some some pretty solid games and some... Well, let's, over, let's just start by letting everybody know here. that it's been a wild, uh, wild week in our, uh, in our sporting events. Absolutely. We had... We had district bowling for the boys and girls. We had sectional wrestling uh, all over the county yesterday and all over the state of Ohio yesterday. We had sectional boys tournaments getting kicked off. We had some sectional champions crown. And we also had some district champions crown on the girls' side of things. So there is a and lot some, going on. And some LC history was made. Yeah, so there's a lot going on. And uh, let's, dive, let's dive right into it. All right. Know. Why not? Let's go to go with wrestling first. That's brought to you by uh, Dorian Hooker's Pro Day Performance Training uh, and Jordan Purdue. You guys, you can give those guys a call for a training session. They do a fantastic job out there. They train all kinds of Division One athletes. Uh, I know people that go out there from North Central, Toledo area, Archibald, Delta, Tenora, Liberty Anthony, Center, Anthony, Anthony Wayne. Wayne. I mean, the, the list is endless uh, for the athletes they train out there. So get a session with those guys. And Mr. Field Goal himself, himself, Josh Martin. Joshua Martin. So thank you to those guys for – Sponsoring us. Absolutely. So we're going to get into the 106. Uh, Braden Tamarine comes in second place. Wrestling first here? For wrestling All first, right. yes. All right. Uh, in the 113 weight class, Jack Zyder comes in fifth place. Uh, so for the districts, if you finish in fifth place, you are a state alternate. Uh, so you will go. You're just, you know, you're there as an alternate just in case something happens. So just a heads up with that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Um, Dylan Matthews in the 120 weight class comes in first place. Congratulations to Mr. Matthews. And also another uh, – then we have another champion at the 138 class, Jackson Bartels, comes in first. Alexander Exa- Myers comes in first in the weight class of 175. Clayton Seal plays fifth in the 190, so he's going as an alternate. Also you know, and I, I just want to go back to Jackson Bartels really quick mm-hmm. for a minute there, if go I can. Ahead. You know, Jackson is a is a kid that started out the year uh, dealing with some injuries during football uh, season and with some fo- with football season. He was injury uh, injury ridden a little bit last year. You know, had his season cut short last year as well. So uh, being able to come off the injury injury bug like he has and wrestle as well as he had over the last month or so uh, and now finding himself to be a sectional champion and moving on to the districts next weekend uh, you know it just shows what kind of pride he has as a kid and you know what he's willing to do to work for the things that he wants so mm-hmm. uh, kudos to Jackson Bartels there on coming back and being that sectional championship and what what weight class was that you said 138 correct yes uh, in the 215 weight class uh, Logan Safuentes places fifth and this is a freshman so Fuentes, I think, is a sophomore. Is he a fr- Is he? I think so. I'm not sure. Maybe he's not. I feel like he's. A I'm not freshman. sure. I could be wrong. You could. I, I could be wrong. Who knows? I, who knows? We never know. That's so, the fun. So, so that I. So that means I guess we're both fired. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so, uh, so Fuentes will be going as an alternate. In the 285 weight class, Owen Box, who saw this one coming, <laughs> comes in first. Phil, I'm, that's like the the worst kept secret in the state. Yeah, you know, Owen uh, 
a little bit of trouble this season with some injuries to start off of the year coming off of football season. You know, long mm-hmm. season, you're a little bit banged uh, up. A little bit banged up, you know, and then he had the injury problem there. Didn't wrestle for the first couple of weeks. And ever since he's hit the mat, he's been nothing short of dominant. Uh, you know, we talked about the win a couple of weeks ago against Javen Gaines of Tenora, another very good wrestler at the heavyweight division. Um, you know, he's going to go into the district probably as one of the big favorites there in Division Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he won first last week at the NWOL meet, another first place finish this weekend at the sectional. So mm-hmm. uh, the, ro- uh, the role is on now officially for senior Owen Box, who's just wrestling out of his mind right now. Absolutely. And also on uh, on the outside of Liberty Center, Wasian placed first in Division Two, and unconfirmed of right now because we couldn't find any news sources or anything. Uh, Napoleon finished second. Right oh now. yeah, that's in that same uh, wherever wherever uh, Wasian wrestled at. Uh, Napoleon wrestled there, mm-hmm. and Napoleon actually had a lot of individual qualifiers mm-hmm. um, place. Uh, you know, I talked to one of the guys that helps with the wrestling program last night. Uh, you know, I saw him at dinner with my son, and, you know, he had said that they had a lot of individual placing. I think he said 10 or 11 kids that placed to go to state individually for mm-hmm. Napoleon. Uh, I believe the Eggers kid was one of them. Uh, you know, just, you know, we've talked about Napoleon being a very steady wrestling team all season long. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they're in that, you know, tough division with, you know, the likes of Wasion and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe not as much uh, media coverage as what Wasion gets, which do would do credit. You know, Wasion has been – Pretty much the dominant wrestling team around the area for quite absolutely. some time now. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, they obviously get a lot of the media credit that they deserve. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kudos to both of those squads. You know, I think Archbold also wrestled a pretty good pretty good meet at the sectionals. They had some individual qualifiers as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of area kids getting in there uh, for individual wrestling. You know, Liberty Center is one of those teams that seem like they're really young. And have a lot of talent on the rise. You know, you look at guys like Jackson Bartels, who's a sophomore. The Cifuentes kid, who's a young kid. Uh, Jack Zyder is only a sophomore. Dylan Matthews is a sophomore. I think Zyder's a freshman, actually. I'm sorry. Uh, Then you look at uh, down the line, Braden Tamarine's a freshman. The Schweiger kid is only a freshman. So there's a lot of young kids on the mat uh, that have seen some varsity wrestling time this year that I think Mm -hmm. is really going to translate over into next season and even the season after that following the line. Like we said, those kids only sophomores. Uh, you're looking down the line as well. Tyler Lay had injury this year that plagued his season. He'll come back as a junior next year and, and you know be able to wrestle on the mats for Liberty Center mm-hmm. as well. So you look at Clayton Seal, another sophomore. So, you know, Xander Myers, obviously tough to lose him. I think he's a senior, but tough to lose him. Uh, Owen Box, tough, you know, tough to replace yeah, a guy like Owen Box. Him. But, you know, I think the core outside of Owen is it is coming back and outside of Xander is coming back. And we have a lot of things, positive things to look forward to uh, over the next couple of seasons. And I think if we sat down and asked Coach Westoven that those same exact things that he would tell us the same thing, you know, this season, you know, a lot of it was let's let's figure out what we have. You know, this might not be our year this year, but you know, next year. And I'm not taking any credit away from the, the wrestling program. Obviously, yeah, they've done they've put in some work and they've improved a lot over the year. Uh, but I think maybe next year they're looking at man, next year might be the year that we'll stump Wasion or you yeah. know move ahead Archibald, whatever you know whatever it is. And uh, you know, Coach Westoven's done a really nice job with our wrestling program. You know, I know numbers have been down a little bit over the last few years. Starting to see those start to pick back up again. Uh, which you love to see. Yeah, absolutely. That was the one worry going into that into this this year's wrestling season is that they had a very young team and a very young roster going into uh, into uh, the wrestling season and all that. And obviously, as the results tell, they 
they have the future is extremely bright for the LC wrestling program. So I agree. Should 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 be a a good next couple of years. Like we said, you know, you get those kids that are uh, going to state this year as uh, sophomores and freshmen, and you know, it's good to see. Yeah, and- the, yeah. They have they have a freshman or sophomore is going to state, or even as an alternative. Well, and then yeah, you can look a, at them to a, leaders next year. You know, you, yeah, you look at those kids absolutely. that have said, oh, you know, maybe you're not uh, the age or, you know, you're not a senior or whatever, but you're a leader on this team because of your experience. And I think experience uh, bodes very, very well in those situations. So Absolutely. So that will be, be the cap on the wrestling. We're and gonna- I think uh, – let me get – Real quick, before we move on, okay. uh, let me find out where our district wrestling will be at next weekend. Um, they will be wrestling in the districts. Those individuals that you had said placed uh, will move on to the uh, individuals in wrestling next week at the districts. And that will be next Friday and Saturday to qualify for state. Um, I'm not 100% sure on where that will be at. Uh, so try to stay tuned uh, for a location on that. Uh, the sectionals were at Archibald, but uh, not not entirely sure where the districts will be held at next week. So, um, yeah. Play a game of Let's Find Out. Well, we will play a game of Let's Find Out, yeah. So, all right. So we're going to move on over to boys bowling. Boys bowling. hey So uh, <coughs> we're going to go over the team, the teams first. Uh, in third, in third place was Minster, uh, with a total of two thousand seven hundred fifty-two. Minster being a Mac school, you know, uh, down there with the Cold Waters, which uh, you know, Coach Angler had talked about Cold Water Liberty Center having a nice little rivalry there in the same area. Uh, so those teams bowl each other, uh, you know, pretty regularly, and that was probably a pretty good, uh, you know, a little bit of rivalry going on Absolutely. there for all three of those top teams. Which we'll get to that when you mention those, yep. but. And second are Liberty Center Tigers with 2,834. And in Col- and then on top was the Coldwater Cavaliers with 3,003. And a total there. Um, so in the Baker game, so we're just going to move over to the Baker games here real quick. Uh, first we're going to go with Minster here with a two in game one was 245, then 201, then a 166, 169, a 257, a 153 with a total of 1,191. Uh, and, and at the total of that game, the total total of the, of the team was 3,943. Well, they or was that at the end of all the games, or was that uh, that's at the, the end, end of, of the Bakers? Okay, so that so. was at the end of all the games. That yeah. would their, that would be their total pin count for yep. every game. Yep, yeah. the total okay. game. Yep, that's my bad there. No, you're good. Just wanted to uh, clear it up with our folks out there. Yep. Uh, and for Liberty Center of the two of the Bakers, uh, two thirteen, a one seventy, a one sixty one. I mean, my one sixty nine, two twelve, a two hundred. So that that's a what coach. Uh, Oh, Snyder, right? No, not Coach Snyder. Angler. Angler, thank you. Coach Angler told us if you get a 200 game in the Baker games, you're doing a pretty good job there. And then to the top it off, it was a 152. And the total of the Baker game there was 1,116 of a total of 3,950. So seven pins, uh, Liberty Center got second place there over Minster uh, to advance to the state finals next weekend in Columbus. Absolutely. And then we go over to the Cavaliers of Coldwater. 
uh, 179, a 195, 195, a 191, a 221, a one and a 187 with a total of 1,168, and a total and a the team total of 4171 so the cavaliers uh took uh took care of business there uh, of securing the first place spot there uh we go over to the individuals now <clears throat> well coach angler talked about you know that minster or excuse me that coldwater was probably the team to beat there you know had knocked the guys out of state last year so i know that they had a little bit of chip on their shoulder going up against those guys mm -hmm. uh so uh, interesting to see that uh, Liberty Center comes out in second there under Coldwater. Coldwater, <clears throat> excuse me, Coldwater uh, is a team that really didn't bowl super high with the Baker games, but they were consistent with the 180 mark and were able to really pull away there at the end. You know, they were l leading at the end of those natural games, but uh, able to pull away there at the end. Absolutely. So in the individual stats, in 21st, uh, Wes Wellhelm, the freshman – uh, bowled a, a total of 562, uh, bowling game one of a 177, a 206, and a 179 for Wes Wilhelm. Uh, then we're going up to in tenth place in the tenth place position, the tie a two-way tie for tenth place there. Uh, Landon Amstutz are known as Study. With the games of 216, a 182, and a 186, of a total of 584. Then we're up to and sixth, and then to top it all off for Liberty Center, and sixth place, my boy Tim Blanton, uh, with a 172, a 200, and a 224, giving him 596 total uh, out of. All the team, uh, I mean, out of all the individual players, so our best player was the Tim Blanton. And we had two Coldwater Cavaliers finish in the top three. And Napoleon, and then two Napoleon Wildcats in the second and the fourth and fourth spots. Yeah, I think Kessling in the second spot uh, is going to advance as an individual for the Napoleon Bowling Squad. <clears throat> he was one of the top three spots. I think you had to make top three to make it out of districts there to be able to qualify individually for state. So, Absolutely. And now we're going to head on over to the team results of the girls bowling. So, unfortunately, our Tigers did not make the cut, unfortunately. Uh, very, uh, very Had a very outstanding season this year, though, Phil. Yeah, a lot of graduating a lot of seniors, uh, so we're going to have to bring in some younger young blood and uh, see what they develop over next year. You know, uh, leaving five seniors, Crew, Bowers, uh, Amstutz, Ari Smith, um, so maybe only four. But, uh, yeah, yeah, losing a lot of seniors there, so going to have to reload next season. Absolutely. So our, so the Lady Tigers finished eighth place out of 12th, out, out of 12 teams. In game one, they bowled one – I mean, my correction – at 7.30 – then game two at 778, and then game three was at 731 with 2,239 total in regulation. Uh, then we go over to the Baker games. The there we go. In Baker game one, the Tigers bowled a 161, and then back and went back to back on the same thing of a in game two they went 161, then a 151. Then a 138, a 153, 
and a 154 and a total uh in the Baker games uh nine, 918 pins and as a team total of 3157 so so yeah uh it yeah the uh, the lady tigers they did i guess they didn't have the um they didn't do so hot on this uh this time around unfortunately yeah, you know, and uh, they're going to get held out of state this year. You know, last year they were able to go, <clears throat> had some of those juniors that came back as seniors this year, you know, and just, you know, kind of ran into a buzzsaw there. You know, I kind of talked to my mom a little bit, just weren't, weren't, weren't able to get any pin actions. You know, we had talked about the difference between the lanes, the synthetic lanes to the wooden lanes and all those differences like that. I don't know if that played a factor, but, you know, just unable to get some pin action, uh, you know, and that's not the, not the time that you want to have that, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Uh, like you said, a really nice season for the girls. Only two league losses coming late in the season against Patrick Henry and then one earlier in the year against Wasion. And just to let you guys know, that doesn't tell you how, how much of a challenge it was to come out of this district. Wasion did not make it out. And Wasion is a team that's been dominant all season long, mm-hmm. winning the league championship the way that they did on the girls' fashion, I think by over, almost 200, 300 pins. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the Yoakum girl made it out of that that sectional or that district to qualify for state. So uh, that just shows you how tough it is to win in this district. Uh, you know, something that the boys were able to accomplish. The girls fell a little bit short, but uh, both teams with quality seasons. The boys will bowl next Saturday, I believe, at 10 o'clock uh, in Columbus. I can't remember what the names the name of the lanes are called, but, man, it's, it's a, it is an awesome experience. Go down there, check it out. Uh, you will not be disappointed. And our boys, uh, you know, Got a really good chance to win it. Obviously, Coldwater is a a pretty impressive bowling squad, but mm-hmm. you know, with uh, the anchors that we have and the leadership that we have, you know, Tim Blanton starting to bowl a lot better as a senior. You know, Coach Angler talked about how important he was to the team. I believe he's a junior. Tim Blanton is yeah. a junior, so yeah, we have junior. so St- we have St- only St- one senior, McDougal. Then yeah, McDougal. Um, you know, so we're gonna have experience coming back as well. So. Uh, you better watch out for this boys' bowling program. They're going to be here to stay for for a while, I believe. And and this year, I think they'll come they'll come in as one of the top favorites. Uh, you know, obviously, they had the highest sectional score in the sectional tournament. I read this; they had the highest sectional score of any sectional in the state of Ohio. All, I mean, that's that's impressive. That's so, very impressive. So when you're looking at that and that correlation to how they're going to do at state, those are the kind of things that you want to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so, good luck to the boys next week. Uh, girls end the season. Nice nice season there. Uh, you know, like we said, we'll losses. have to yeah, ha- we'll have to reload losses. a little bit and uh, see who they can find to replace some of those girls that uh, we're going to lose. You know, Maddie Amstutz, obviously a very nice bowler mm-hmm. uh, for Liberty Center. We're going to miss her, so as well as the other girls as well. Absolutely. So, so we're going to move on to our uh, boys basketball presented by Meyer Badenhop Insurance. Phil, what do you got for us, buddy? Holy smokes. Well, it was uh, another crazy day. Boys, uh, you know, boys is a little bit strange. Uh, boys only had a couple of games on Tuesday, and then everybody else pretty much played on either Wednesday or, I'm sorry, on Saturday. Uh, we had one game on Wednesday, I think. May, uh, no, I'm sorry, that was last week. I'm all over the place here. You're so fired. Uh, this was on Tuesday. You know, in the in Division Three over at Wasion High School, Wayne Trace defeated Ottawa Hills 59-32. Ottawa Hills – you know, just no size really. Uh, just struggled to keep Wayne Trace out of the paint. You know, Wayne Trace has a couple kids that are six four, uh, and then you bring in the Lockoff kid who's about six two, six three, and can score it the way he does. You know, Ottawa Hills played that two three zone, just really struggled to rebound out of it, uh, in which 
Kyle Stoller had 15 of those rebounds, added 18 points. Brooks Lockoff had 24 uh, to pace the Raiders. Just Ottawa Hills couldn't couldn't hit big shots when they needed to. Uh, and like I said, you know, just lack of size to be able to get some of those rebounds. 2-3 zone just, you know, it was really hard to stop Wayne Trace's offense. And Wayne Trace really forced Ottawa Hills into some turnovers uh, that – really hurt Ottawa Hills at key moments. Absolutely. Um, in the second game from Wauseon High School, Liberty Center defeated Hicksville 62-44. to The big stat for me was in the fourth quarter, Hicksville was 3 of 10 from the field and four turnovers, Yikes. while Liberty Center was 4 of 5 from the field. So, you know, when you're looking at closing down the game, something that a couple weeks ago we saw Liberty Center struggle with against Patrick Henry – closing out that game, mm-hmm. turning around the next night, being able to close out a Liberty Benton team. This was a good sign for me, uh, seeing the, these guys close this game out. Did not let Hicksville get any runs there late in the second quarter, late in the third quarter to break that lead down a little bit. I thought our kids did a really nice job. Gavin Galen with 16 points, 11 rebounds. Colton Chambers hit four three-pointers on his way to 14 points, and Liberty Center was able to win that game, and they moved on to play Swanton. And that was on Saturday. We'll go over those games in just a moment. On Tuesday as well, Tenora avenges its season loss three weeks prior to Paulding. Paulding won the GMC title on Tenora's home floor. Tenora was seeking out revenge, and they got it with a 49-46 win in overtime. And this was a game that was just crazy down the stretch. Uh, Tenora was down 37-29 with seven minutes to go. Uh, you know, Tenora had lost five of six to end the season, including that 51-20 loss to Paulding. Uh, they were down, <laughs> they were down 46 to 41 with 36 le- seconds left to go in overtime. Luke Harris hit a three-pointer, and then an and-one brought them ahead to 47-46. And then we, uh, and then Tenora was able to hit a couple free throws late. Luke Harris had 17, and Owen Ackerman had 10. So a huge win for Tenora to be able to huge. come back, and to be able to come back and win that game against Paulding, who had just kind of been on fire to end the season there, mm-hmm. riding high with that GMC championship. And uh, Tenora had, came uh, back with a vengeance and was able to win that. They game. might have had a championship high there, Phil. Possibly, it, you they, know, it's or, very possible. Uh, you know, you play on that neutral floor too. It's a little bit different setting. Uh, you know, like I said, Tenora was down in the fourth quarter as well, hit some really big shots. It just seemed like every time Tenora was going to roll over, they hit another big shot uh, to keep the pressure on Paulding, and eventually it boiled over and Tenora was able to win the ball game. So Absolutely. Oh, yeah, and our shout-out to our newest crew member, Cade Bidlack. He, uh, mess- he messaged me about when uh, Tenora won that game, and he said, <laughs> quote-unquote saying, Pretenders, <laughs> quote unquote. He just said pretenders. Paulding. That's, that's all. Did he say that? Was yeah, that, oh, okay. yeah. He, he did, did he call did, it. Yeah. He did, he did. I think he might have called. It. I know someone said it. I don't remember, but I think <laughs> I think it might have been Cade, but I don't remember. But I do know somebody said that Paulding was a pretender, and well, he sent me. Well, when uh, Tenora beat him, he just immediately said Cade Bidlack is typing and says pretenders. That's it. I like. I'm like, dang, this man called it. So, all right, what do you got next, Bill? Um, also on Tuesday, Archibald defeated Eastwood 59-36. to Cade Brenner had 27 points. Uh, Archibald outscored Eastwood 29-11 to in the dang. second half. 
This was a game earlier in the year that had went 72-69, to 69, I believe, was the final score of the game earlier in the year, or maybe 62-59, something like that. Yep. But a higher-scoring game uh, just goes to show you what Coach Frank did to come up with some adjustments to really slow down Eastwood's offense. Case Boos did a really nice job keeping Eastwood in that game early in the first half, but Archibald's defense was just overwhelming, and Cade Brenner has done what Cade Brenner has done all year and just tough to guard, uh, hard to stop. Uh, ended up again with 27 right? points. Cade Brenner only a sophomore, so uh, going to be a force to reckon with in this league for a couple more years. Yeah, and then you think he's going to be another version of DJ Newman, or he's not? No, he's, he's not going to be that good because DJ was six two, and he was also like 215 pounds. I don't see Cade being over 200 pounds. I think he might be a buck 35 soaking wet. Uh, he's just not a kid that's going to. I don't think he's going to develop into that size. Is he going to get bigger and stronger? Absolutely, 100. percent But I don't think he's going to grow to 6'2", 6'3", like DJ Newman was and be 215 pounds and still be able to run a 4'6", 4'7", which I think DJ probably could have done. Yeah. And I know that's really, really fast, but, I mean, DJ Newman was a, a fantastic yeah. athlete. And one and, we'll, uh, I don't know if we'll see another guy like that around here for, for quite some time. Oh, yeah, uh, and uh, from my knowledge, I know Mr. Newman's lining up on the diamond field at BG University. And they just played their first game yesterday, I believe. BG yep. did and got a win, I think, 6-5. to five. I'm not 100% believe, sure on that score, but uh, – I was told his first ga his first game or his debut, you want to, like you would like to say, uh, I think he had six to seven strikeouts in his debut. So yeah, he's got straight filth, man. I mean, he has filth. Uh, that's for sure as a pitcher. But uh, last game <laughs> rounding out Tuesday's slate of games, it was Maumee in the NLL taking out Brian forty six to thirty two. Uh, Brian just could not find any offense. Maumee was just smothering. Uh, Sam Harold ended up with 17 points, and Jace Kepler for the Bull, or, uh, excuse me, the Golden Bears ended up with nine. All right, so now moving to Friday. These are the sectional finals games. You know, games that you know I thought a lot of these games are going to be pretty good. A couple of these games uh, turned into blowouts. Uh, you know, a couple of these games were exactly what I thought they were going to be, and a couple of them were a big surprise. Uh, you know, let's start. I think the biggest surprise we'll start with was Defiance versus uh, Salina at Paulding High School. This was a game that was Defiance was down 22 to 20 at the end of the first half. Uh, struggled to find shooters. Salina was hitting some big threes to start the first half. Defiance was able to settle down and started causing some Salina turnovers, started getting out on some of those three-pointers, started limiting some of those open looks. But Salina did a really, really nice job on Caden Zakrich, who ended the night with seven, or with seven points. A kid that normally averages 17, 18, 19 points a game was just held to seven, and that, that, that shows you exactly how Salina was keying in on him. Braden Shaw only with 15, a guy that averages right around that. So uh, credit Salina's defense. Defiance, a high-scoring team, probably scored 70 points on a game on average, held to 53. So Salina uh, did a lot better of a job than they did in that first game against Defiance in the regular season uh, and were able to hold it close. But Defiance was able to pull away 53-42, to 42, and that was in Division Two. Staying in Division Two, this was the 6 o'clock game right before that, and Napoleon versus Lima Shawnee. Shawnee! <laughs> This was a game that was led by Napoleon most of the way. You know, they were making things tough on Shawnee, but Shawnee uh, stuck to what they do 
and give Shawnee credit because they were able to battle back and continued to battle back. And then down the stretch, they made it tough on Napoleon. They weren't able to get some shots. And Shawnee was able to win it 82-74 to over the Napoleon Wildcats. Pretenders. Pretenders. <laughs> <laughs> I called it. Didn't I call that? And uh, Caden Cruz and Kellen Ressler both, both finished with 18 points for Napoleon. Oh, let's see here. Staying in Division Two, uh, this game, Wasion defeated Toledo Woodward 68-50. to Landon Hines with 20 points for Wasion. Wasion, a team that I called to be my contender, a team that I think is really going to make some noise. Uh, we'll go over who they play a preview a little bit later. They will see Rossford, a very fantastic basketball team. So Wasion going to have their hands full there. Um, we'll go Evergreen against Emmanuel Christian. Emmanuel Christian, the one seed, proving again why they're going to be really tough to beat. Uh, you know, Evergreen gave them a good game in the first half, and then uh, Emmanuel Christian was able to pull away 89-53, to almost putting up 100-piece on Evergreen. So uh, Emmanuel Christian likes to get up and down. They like to score a lot of points, as you see. <clears throat> very athletic, very fast basketball team. They're going to be tough to beat. Uh, you know, they're going to square away with uh, another NWOAL foe in the district semifinals, which will be a pretty uh, a pretty good matchup there because I, I don't think they're used to seeing teams that play like uh, Archibald. So, yeah. And Archibald's going to be tough, so, and that's who they're going to see there. So and we'll go over that in just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> Wayne Trace defeats Delta at Wauseon High School. You know, we saw Delta a couple weeks ago against Liberty Center. They ran a really nice 2-3 zone, did a nice job of controlling the tempo, they did a really nice job against the full-court pressure of Wayne Trace, something that Cade and Coach Barrett were kind of talking about a little bit last episode. Is Delta going to be able to do that? Delta did a really nice job in the full court. It was the half court that really got them sped up. Um, Wayne Trace went from a man-to-man to a 1-3-1 to a 3-2 to a 2-3. I mean, Delta just really never got an offensive rhythm because Wayne Trace was mixing up their defenses so well and Dulla just couldn't get a groove defensively to slow down Wayne Trace. And not to mention Kyle Stoller just had an unbelievable basketball game. He finished the day with 29 points uh, in the, uh, I think it was 61-44 win over Delta. So had almost half the team's points, mostly on just catching the ball inside, one power move over the top of Delta defenders who we saw a couple weeks ago, just didn't have the big size. Mm -hmm. uh, they play physical. They play hard, absolutely. But, yeah, just, but just, just didn't have the size to yeah, contend, just, and Stoller yeah. was able to just dominate down yeah, low. Yeah, just like the big like, – like the most of the teams – some of the teams I've we've seen play this year, Phil, uh, a lot of them – a good amount of them lacked bigs. And uh, when tournament comes tournament time comes around, usually the the team the top notch teams usually have bigs, and they'll be ruling the paint almost all night long. And the thing I was mostly impressed about with Wayne Trace is, you know, we had talked about, you know, if, if we stop lockoff, what are they going to do? You know, Brooks was kind of held in check in the first half a little bit. Kyle Stoller actually had like 16 in the first half. Mm -hmm. You know, he had a really nice game. Like I said, he was just making things so tough for Delta. He was catching in the short corner. And when you're able to hit short corner jump shots over defenders that are just – they're just not there, you know, it, it really does make things tough on you defensively. And Stoller was able to do that, so – um, right. We're going to have a special guest join us here uh, now on the End Zone Militia. And, uh, you know, he's here to talk with us a little bit about boys and girls basketball going on. And we'd like to welcome the, the voice, voice of, of Henry w County. I was going to say WNDH. That too. We got Dave 
Clack. Welcome, Dave. How are you guys doing? Ready to talk some hoops, right? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank <laughs> absolutely. You for... Absolutely. Well, you know, just want to touch on something real quick with you before we get to boy stuff. Uh, you know, you've seen a lot of basketball down the tournament trail thus far. You've seen Defiance. You've seen Patrick Henry. You've seen Liberty Center. Uh, just talk about some of the good quality basketball you've seen just in the first week of this boys' tournament action. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, that Division Three tournament was just going to be a killer because you had so many good teams. You've got, you know, Emmanuel Christian at the top end, but you've got all these other teams that are in that that next level, Wayne Trace, Liberty Center, Swanton, Archbold, anybody could have moved on in those brackets. Yeah, Emmanuel Christian's got the stud guy, you know, but uh, Swanton, Archbold, Liberty Center, you know, too bad uh, somebody has to get knocked out in the sectional final. That's a very good team, but that's the way that D3 bracket shook out. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a packed house over there. Uh, and Wasion. Uh, we'll get to that momentarily. Let's go to the games that uh, you were at last night. Um, let's talk a little bit about, or maybe it was Friday, excuse me. Let's talk a little bit about the um, defiance game against Salina. You know, Salina did a really nice job in the first half. They were hitting some big shots. Uh, they did a really nice job on the Zachrich kid, who I think only ended up with seven points. They held Braden Shaw in check for most of the game. Uh, talk a little bit about that defiant Salina matchup from your perspective. Yeah, Salina really played it well. They're a scrappy team. You're saying, yeah, but they only have three wins. I don't care. There are, there are teams that just take on a whole new mentality when they get to the tournament trail because they know they got nothing to lose. You know, you're one and done. Uh, but defiance experience, uh, you know, held in there. Yeah, they had to had to have other guys step up. Isaac Schlatter is one of those guys that just gets to the boards, a good defender. Uh, David Jimenez made some shots. Defiance has a ton of seniors. They don't want to stop playing. So I think that's what's going to carry them a while. Yeah, and I think even if Zachrich doesn't get his scoring, I think those post entries that he has – uh, are a key to maybe get some of those other guys' looks, like you're saying, the Schlatter kid and the Jimenez kid as well. Uh, let's flip the script. Let's go to game two. Uh, we saw Shawnee and Napoleon in a very high-scoring affair, a game where it was kind of back and forth, big shots, a lot of three-pointers. Uh, we saw Caden Cruz and Kellen Russler both go for 18 for Napoleon. Uh, what did you see there in that game between the NLL and WBL opponent? Well, I saw a lot of teams that uh, couldn't stop the other, that's for sure. Shawnee, <laughs> this Austin Miller, he was something. Six four, six five, runs the floor, shoots the three, but he puts it on the deck and makes moves. And uh, 30, what, 35, 36 points, Napoleon just didn't have an answer for him. Uh, Napoleon, you know... <laughs> They, they've had some guys go off on them. There was a guy from Southview, Micah Bays, had 43. So Napoleon has struggled to contain some uh, some big offensive threats. But I'll tell you what, Shawnee's tempo is tough to play against. They they go frantic for a while. They'll, they'll set up nothing. They just go one-on-one, -on -one, and then they'll come back, and then they will pass it around. They are a tough tough guard because there's nothing scripted I don't think in their offense they just play and boy were they playing against Napoleon on Friday 
All right, so that is Division Two tournament stuff. Let's go over to the Division Three bracket, kind of like you talked about, uh, just an absolute slugfest over there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the first game, Wayne Trace, Delta. You know, Wayne Trace with some uh, that prolific score and Brooks Lockoff, a kid that can kind of get it done from anywhere. And I think that he's so good that he takes some attention away from how good that Kyle Stoller is inside. Um, post moves, post passing out to uh, to open guys on the wing. Wayne Trace is that team, I think, those guys are so good that you forget about how good their actual team is, not to mention their coaching. Wayne Trace is a team that's been knocked out by OG the last couple of years. I think Wayne Trace is playing with a little chip on their shoulders. I would love to see the Wayne Trace-Emmanuel-Christian matchup. Talk a little bit about that Division Three and what you see. We got a chance to see Wayne Trace play the first night when Liberty Center was battling Hicksville, and Brooks Lockoff has a quick trigger. He gets that ball off, but you're right about Kyle Stoller. Uh, he is the garbage guy. He gets the rebounds. He plays inside, sets the screens. Uh, he does a lot of the dirty work for this team, and you know every team needs somebody like that. And I'm not trying to say he's not – you know, he's a secondary guy. He is he is just right there with Lockoff. Lockoff's in a different level with his shooting, but Stoller, you saw what he did. He went off for, what, 29 against Delta, and Delta can D it up. That zone had stopped a ton of teams this year, but Stoller and Lockoff, I don't know a better one-two punch out there in all of Northwest Ohio. Yeah, and they have some really good coaching and some extra guards in there that can really take care of the basketball. They only play about seven or eight kids, but they do a really nice job of taking care of the basketball. I think that's one thing that goes under the radar with Wayne Trace is their turnovers. They have a lot of guys that are capable to handle the ball and not turn it over under pressure. Let's go to the Liberty Center Swanton matchup. Uh, a rematch of <clears throat> a rematch of the matchup earlier in the season that was an absolute slugfest over in Swanton. This one in Wasion, you know, I was kind of messaging you a little bit throughout the game. It was a packed house. It was an extremely physical basketball game. Obviously, Swanton comes away with a 61 to 50 win over the Tigers, or 60 to 51 win over the Tigers. Excuse me. Swan, I think, winning that game against Liberty Center really, really helps them moving forward. Wayne Trace likes to do a lot of stuff that Liberty Center does, speed you up, turn you over in the full court. Maybe are not going to throw 12, 12 athletes at you, but are definitely going to try to speed you up. Uh, what do you see looking ahead to the Wayne Trace-Swanton matchup, which I think is going to be one of the premier matchups in the area coming this week? <laughs> Well, Swanton likes their style. They they have a great identity. They know what kind of game they're good at, and they get it going that way because they have uh, Luke Borovich, a veteran point guard. He'll get them in the style of play they want. Cole Mitchie gives them an athlete. They got the big guy inside that's kind of a rim protector, and Calicott is a really good defender. Uh, these guys are, are veterans. This is a team that won the league a year ago. Uh, they are they are very good, as I say, at, at what they do, and they're going to defend. Bruce Smith demands defense, and that's what Swanton will do. Do they have enough defense to hold down a Wayne Trace with that one-two punch of Stoller and Lockoff? 
that's going to be the challenge. <laughs> Could Would Swanton maybe go to a triangle and two even in a game like this? I could see them doing that. I know Bruce Smith loves man-to-man. He loves his man-to-man, uh, and, he's, and he trusts his guys. But uh, I would think about that. I would think about a triangle and two against Wayne Trace. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. I think you really have to switch up your defensive looks just to throw something different at those guys. And like I said, uh, Wayne Trace has a plethora of guards that can control the basketball to get those guys the ball in the spots they want to be in. So I think that plays a big factor. Uh, Last thing on the boys here before we flip the script and go to a little bit of girls action here. Patrick Henry in Division 4, you know, Lost two straight games coming into the tournament. You get that by maybe a little extra uh, film work, maybe a little bit of extra stuff to critique the way that they're doing things. You know, <clears throat> just checking in real quick with the uh, with the Division Three. I think OG is obviously the favorite. Jump back to Division Four to PH here. I think PH is in the driver's seat with their bracket. Uh, it looks good for them to be able to come out. Obviously, they need to do the job. And it starts this week against Ayersville. And I think Ayersville is a very underrated um, basketball team when it comes to the area. I think the area just has so many good teams. Once again, Ayersville kind of floods under the radar a little bit. They just beat a very solid Maumee Valley Country Day team. Um, Talk a little bit about what you think PH needs to do uh, to keep moving on in this D4 bracket. Well, they've uh, got to get healthy. Uh, Landon Johnson has been out uh, for a few games, so they want to get their point guard back, and he's probably as important on defense as he is on offense. He's a very good defender. The Patriots have certain guys that have to score. They they have a lot of great athletes. They play very good defense, but if you shut down one or two of the Patriots, they really struggle on offense. So they're going to have to work really hard to get Lincoln Crager, Nash Meyer going, and I think Caden Rosebrook is a pivotal guy inside that can score for the Patriots too. So, uh, you know, win over Fayette. Fayette, you know, tries to control Temple, but Patrick Henry just, I'm sure, out-athleted him in that ball game, and uh, you can do that in the sectional sometimes. Ayersville's a different animal, though. Ayersville's got athletes. Ayersville's got a physical team. They've got Tyson Schlachter in the middle. He averages a double-double. And I know, you know, he has had a game where maybe you wonder, where was he that game? But when he's there, when he's on, he can carry a team. And Patrick Henry's interior defense better be ready for Tyson Schlachter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, With the – with Ayersville's bigs going in, coming into this game, uh, played a big role in the Maumee Valley game. Uh, that was, uh, their center was their go-to guy. Got into a little foul trouble, and their other big that they had um, that was also going off pretty well. Do you think that PH could possibly uh, – what do you think PH is going to do possibly to shut those t- uh, – Ayersville's bread and butter with their bigs? I, I know what – I know what Brian Heber likes to do. He likes to just guard the heck out of the guards so they can't get the look inside. I I don't know enough about Ayersville's guards handling the ball, whether, you know, they can, you know, get by Patrick Henry's tough uh, perimeter defense to 
consistently get the ball inside. That's what Patrick Henry will do. They will guard hard on the perimeter so they can't see and find their guys inside. But I'm sure the Earsville coaches are going to put something together to get, get, get some post touches because that's their M.O. They like to get it in there. They have to get it in there. All right, Dave, that's good stuff there on the boys' side of things. Let's flip it over to the girls' side of things. And, uh, Marco, I think you got yeah. something you want to – Yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, over the win over the Liberty Center, Liberty Center, winning over the Lady Black Knights of Van Buren, uh, that was an amazing game uh, throughout, throughout a defensive slugfest in the second uh, – throughout the game there. Uh, what do you think? What are your comments on on uh, throughout what was going on throughout that game? Well, that was uh, a game we had seen Van Buren play against Evergreen. Really impressed with the bigs, uh, including uh, Sasha Busey for uh, for Van Buren. I'm thinking, all right, she runs the floor, she can score uh, tough inside, but <laughs> then you've got Alyssa Giesge inside who. Just likes to take on a challenge. And she said, Busey is not going to beat us inside. And I thought Alyssa Giesky was terrific on defense inside. She made sure Busey knew the paint was, was Giesky's paint. It was not Van Buren's paint. She was going to bump her around, make it tough. But that's, that's tournament basketball, guys. You know that. You're going to play an extra level of physicality in there. And Alyssa Giesge, Bea Barrett, they were all up to that challenge. Kaylee Blanton, really good stuff in the paint. And you saw Busey, she'd rather pass than shoot back in those situations. And uh, and I thought that, 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 how do I want to put it, how Liberty Center changed Van Buren's mentality and Busey's mentality was a key in that game. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. <clears throat> Holding Van Buren to only three second half points huh. on their way to the third. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah. unheard of and it brings it a whole new throws. light to only free throws brings too. a whole new light to defense wins championships. And uh oh yeah, and only eight made field goals uh in the game for Van Buren as well. I think Liberty Center only had ten, so like defensive game like you said. Uh then Dave, let's look over to the Napoleon Rogers game. You know, looking at Napoleon they get a second life, and they come out and just <clears throat> a hailstorm over the Oak, uh, Oak Harbor Rockets on their way to a 55-12 to win. We really saw what Sophie Chips can do in that game. They turn around and play a very, very good Rogers, teams. Rogers team. Uh, you know, you talk about the big girl inside for Rogers who has a very nice footwork, and then they also have a really good guard that is just – just so hard to guard on the perimeter Napoleon I thought had a very nice game had some young girls that stepped up and hit big shots um, obviously Napoleon season came to an end but talk a little bit about what you see and uh, maybe looking forward to Rogers playing again uh, next week well Rogers has three players uh, that really can score that Mila Williams is a deep threat and if, if you don't have somebody right on her she will pull the trigger from 25 feet and in. She she is that good with the long ball. But uh, then you've got um, Bria Jefferson, who's that slashing style, and and you just can't square her up. She is so quick that it, you almost have to use two people 
but then she'll find her teammate either inside the big girl at 6-3 or she'll kick it out. And then they have role players. What do they do? They just screen, get some rebounds. You know, I got to credit Lamar Smith's coaching to get everybody to do their job. And, you know, Rodgers plays a brutal schedule. Three of their losses were to D1 Toledo start. So Rodgers Rogers is a tough customer, but Napoleon played him toe-to-toe. Just terrific performance by Napoleon. Ella Tassler battled inside. Uh, Carly Sonnenberg was guarding hard out front. Corey Kreinbrink had a game plan. They took it to the wire. That's all you can do. And give credit, Rodgers made some plays. Yeah, they did a nice job to be able to close out the game from a feisty Wildcat squad that, like you said, just refused to go away. All right. Well, we'll, hey, we'll one make, uh, can I bring up one Absolutely. more thing about Liberty Center? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How about how about Liberty Center's ability to handle the ball middle of the fourth when they wanted to take time off the clock when when Van Buren was playing zone? I thought that was you know really a, a showed a lot about Liberty Center's guards and also about the ability to not just play one style. We can we can play a little slow it down if we need to I thought that was impressive yeah that was with about four minutes to go in the fourth quarter only had about a four maybe five point lead at that point Mm -hmm. in time and I think that is an excellent point Dave as I bring up this next question I got two more for you Liberty Center moves on and they will see OG a team that has won four straight district championship a team with the likes of freshman Carson Erford, who has been on a tear this postseason. Chloe Glenn can score it from anywhere. <clears throat> you talk about Liberty Center being able to bleed some of that clock, taking care of the basketball. Girls like Emmy Gray, Haley Moeller, Peyton Army, and I'll even throw Gracie Miller and Nicole Keller all do a fantastic job of handling the ball under pressure. What does the Lady Tigers team have to do to be able to come up with a regional win against the powerhouse OG Lady Titans. Okay, they're going to have to do exactly what they did against Van Buren. Play <laughs> physical right from the start because you know what you're going to get from Putnam County. It's going to be physical in your face. That's the way Ottawa Glandorf plays. And and the bigs, <laughs> Alyssa, Kaylee, and uh, Bia are going to have to try and contend with Kaufman, she's really good inside. They they like to move Kaufman around. They're big around up at the high post to allow some driving back door. So Liberty Center is going to have to protect the paint. Even if Kaufman is up high, watch back door because uh, Ottawa Glandorf likes to move their big around. And, yeah, they're going to be able to shoot too. Maybe Van Buren didn't have the firepower outside that Ottawa Glandorf does. So, What's the challenge? You got to cover them outside and inside. That's why OG is so good. They've they are so versatile, and the fact they've been there before, you you got to give that some credit too. And Liberty Center hasn't been there, but you know what? These Liberty Center girls, <laughs> I don't think they care. They just <laughs> play hard every minute of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's one thing you're never going to have to put in question is how hard these uh, Lady Tigers play. All right, last one for you, Dave, before we let you get out of here. Uh, I want to move it a little bit over to Division Two. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Lady Golden Bears. Um, 
four straight NWAL championships. They go into the sectional tournament. They get a really nice win. I think Lima Bath upset the number one seed, Liberty Benton. Brian able to contain Liberty or Lima Bath in that game to move on or in, in the sectional championship to move on to play St. Mary's or in the quarterfinals, excuse me, uh, to move on to play St. Mary's. St. Mary's a very physical WBL school having to play teams like Van Wert and OG and Defiance throughout the year. Uh, you know, Brian did a really nice job. Once again, their guards come to fruition to control the basketball and put pressure on the opposing team. Brian just throws so many different pressures at you. They're going to match up with Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary's, and what should be a really good basketball game. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the Lady Bears and their historical run that they've made because I believe their district title was the first in quite, quite some years as well. Definitely. You know, and uh, I'm going to talk Brian because I don't know anything about Akron St. V. Uh, LeBron didn't uh, <laughs> didn't give us much info on the girls' side over at Akron St. V. But we we definitely know their boys are uh, loaded. But Brian is a team of interchangeable parts. They have so much balance on offense. It doesn't matter who their leading score is. It doesn't matter who gets shots. They are all capable. Reese Grothaus, great athlete. Ella Voigt, terrific athlete. Kaylee Thiel is probably the toughest matchup problem because of her size at six foot, but she can handle the ball, can play like a guard. She's quick inside if they need uh, the inside game. Langender for off the bench for Brian. Oh, they've they've j- balance and uh, and tough defense. I guess is what I think of when I think of Brian, and that can carry you a long way. Yeah, I think you make a very nice point about the Langendurfer girl who came off, and she had a really nice game against Liberty Center off the bench at a time where it seemed like Brian was struggling to find some offensive uh, weapons. She came in, and I think she had nine or eight off the bench uh, in a game where, you know, offense was a little bit struggling to find at some time. So, uh, Dave, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today here on the End Zone Militia. We appreciate talking basketball with you. I know it's going to be an extremely fun week as we move into the regional semifinal action on the girls' side and the district semifinal action on the boys' side. Still a lot of stuff to decipher on those. So we look forward to talking with you here later on, and uh, thank you once again for joining us. Can't wait for the games this week. You're right. It's going to be a blast. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, mate. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was the voice of WNDH, Dave Clack. All right, let's move on and finish our boys' games up real quick before we go to girls. Uh, Archibald defeated Tenora 61-46. Cade Brenner had 23 points. He had 13 made free throws. So just like in the Liberty Center game, he did a really nice job getting to the free throw line and making them count. Luke Harris put in 20 points for Tenora. And then, like we said, Patrick Henry defeated Fayette 52-29. PH had lost two straight up to that point. Uh, against Liberty Benton and Archibald. So a really nice job to come back and, and be able to win that game at Liberty Center. That was Lincoln Krieger, who had 18 points uh, to pace Evergreen. Like we said, Swanton defeated Liberty Center 60-51. to Hayden Calicott had 14. Cole Mitchie and Luke Borovich had 11. And I did get that name correction. It's not Borovich, it's Borovich. 
Borovich. Yep, so uh, Landon Bockelman and Landon Cruz, each with 10 for Liberty Center. Uh, you know, just credit Swanton. They made some adjustments, did what they needed to do, mm-hmm. uh, made some more shots. You know, offense was hard to come by for Liberty Center, especially in that first half. Did a really nice job getting to the free throw line in the first half and made some of those to keep it close. Uh, just Wasion, with some of their experience, I think was able to pull away. Uh, at the end of that ball game, absolutely. <clears throat> so let's look forward. Uh, look forward to uh, the boys' games this week. These are the district semifinal games in action this week in Division Two. It's Wasion will play Rossford. That will be at Lake High School at 6 p.m. And then the winner of that game will play the Port Clinton and Toledo Central Catholic winner. And that game will be on three four at Lake at Is that 7 the p.m. Irish, the Central Catholic Irish. Yes, Toledo Central Catholic. And Port Clinton, a very good basketball team as well. So that should be a good matchup. The Adam uh, Turbin kid, a very nice threat. We mentioned him earlier in the show. Got us 1,000th uh, point earlier in the season of the show. We got his, got his 1,000th point this year. So uh, Port Clinton, a very uh, solid basketball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping in Division Two, Defiance will play Shawnee on Shawnee! Shawnee! Uh, on March 2nd at 7.30. That will be at Liberty Benton High School. And the winner of that game will play the winner of Van Wert and St. Mary's on March 4th at Ooh, 7 p.m. So WBL all, matchups all right WBL uh, Final Four there to get to the, uh, to, get to the district finals uh, to play for a shot at the regionals. And uh, Division Three teams that we still have remaining, it is Wayne Trace the versus the Raiders. Against Swan, that game's at Napoleon High School at 7.30 p.m. That will be be on March 1st. That will be a whale of a basketball game. If you're not doing anything, you're definitely going to want to catch this second game of the doubleheader. The first game of that doubleheader will be Emmanuel Christian versus Archibald. And once again, that will be on 3-1 at Napoleon High School. And the winner will see the winner of the Swanton-Wayne Trace game. So uh, either way, I think no matter who wins those games, you're going to see some really good basketball staying in Division Three. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, it's going to be OG playing the Bluffton Pirates at Lima Senior High School. That's going to be at 6 o'clock. And the winner of that game will play the winner of Spencerville and Liberty Benton. And that will be on March 4th at 6 p.m. at Lima Senior High School. Spencerville, Liberty Benton should be a really good basketball game. Mm-hmm. Liberty Benton, we saw play our Tigers here. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a good matchup there to see who comes out of both sides of those Division Three brackets as either team, I think, has capability to do so. Absolutely. And then rounding out the boys' tournament, Division Four. it's Patrick Henry versus Ayersville that's at gonna be, Defiance that, High School. That's going to be an amazing game. Uh, uh, just like just a note that I, ha- I put down in my notes during the, the PH game, um, PH is still struggling in the zone, going against the zone defense. They, they, had some, they had some success and all that, but um, they're, they but – they, Keep on. They will like to drive in, like like they have their go go to guy drive in and then pass it on out and look for the open three, which it did work for a decent amount of time. And then, um, and then the opposing team uh just adjusted to it and PH struggled just struggled a little bit more. They were still able to get their big shots and all that, but they were kind of they were majority of them were contested and all that. They just got in. So, but uh, going into this game, going against the Pilots, uh. I think the story, the one thing that's going to PH might struggle with is going against Ayersville's bigs, um, because their bigs were ruling the paint all night against Mommy Valley, and um, and that that what gave Ayersville the win right at the end. Uh, their bigs were doing was doing a phenomenal job uh, against Mommy Valley. 
Yeah, and uh, Ayersville does have some quality bigs, and I know Patrick Henry has some bigs too, but Patrick Henry's going to have to be able to hit some outside shots. As you said, they like to drive and kick, so they're going to have to be able to hit some outside yeah, that, shots. Uh, so. Another thing I forgot to mention is that Ayersville, uh, they, their go-to, uh, like Dave's mentioned also, uh, Ayersville's go-to, their bread and butter is uh, scrap it out, give it to the big, and get the two and go for your uh go for a solid two points and hopefully for a, and, and trying to get the and ones um in the process uh Ayersville had did have some solid uh mid-range shooters but they're but they did definitely do not their go to right off the bat is go straight to the bigs no matter what it's go to the big and then uh if uh, bring down the uh, bring down the defenders down. Then they're going to uh, throw it right on out to their best sh- to their best shooter and uh, go for a three. But uh, when they played against Mommy Valley, they tried to do that. Uh, it really didn't really work. They went. They just went. They resolved to their um, mid range instead. Um, so the three point the three pointers came in the late in the fourth quarter when they wanted them. But mainly though, they've been looking for main. From what I saw, they were looking for mid-range, uh, go to the big for a two and, and, and possibly an and one. Well, I think that's going to be the story of that game is the, the three-point line is going to be a huge factor there. So uh, let's move on to the girls' side of the tournament that's uh, been heating up this week as well, and that is sponsored by AB Perfectionist Painting. Uh, you can call the guys for all your painting needs at 419-906-1627. Uh, give Austin Purdue and the guys a call out there. They can um, do all your painting for you. Quality painting made easy. Also have a drywall company out there. You can give them a call as well. Uh, let's start with girls from Wednesday. This was the uh, district semifinal action. Uh, Liberty Center defeated Delta 41-31. to uh, That was a game that was back and forth. You know, Delta did a really nice job slowing Liberty Center's pace down in the first half, mm-hmm. uh, but Liberty Center able to pull away with their pressure and playing uh, 12 girls that they're able to do, uh, just able to put that game away. Van Buren defeated Evergreen 58-38, which is how you got the Liberty Center-Van Buren matchup. Evergreen finishes the season 14-10. and In Division Two at Wauseon, or excuse me, at Anthony Wayne, Wauseon, was defeated by Rogers 54-49. Wauseon finished the season 13-11. Haley Meyer 15 points and 11 rebounds. Brian uh, played St. Mary's after defeating Lima Bath uh, 47-39. I, see, I got stuff all messed up here. Yeah, that was right. 47-39. <laughs> You're good. Um, Ayersville over Stryker. This was on Thursday. Uh, Ayersville defeated Stryker. 39-34. Uh, Sage Woolis averaged 18 and a half a game all season long. Ayersville held her to just seven points on one made field goal. Wow. <clears throat> that was really the story of the game for me. Wow. Uh, as Ayersville was able to shut her down. And then also in Division Three, this was once again on Thursday. OG defeated Fairview 64-49. to Carrie Zedike had 26 points and five boards. Kelly Kreitz had 13 for Fairview, Chloe Glenn had 19 points for OG. OG ends Fairview season for the third time in four years. And Napoleon defeated Oak Harbor 55-12. to Sophie Chips had 25 points, 20 in the first half. Uh, I think um, Oak Harbor had only eight points in the first half. So it, wow. was a, it was a good showing there by Napoleon, really bringing out that life as, you know, Toledo Central Catholic had gotten – disqualified from the tournament and mm-hmm. you know Napoleon found some life and was able to win that game unfortunately they fell short the very next game against Rogers like we talked about with Dave there a little bit Rogers is a very is a power is becoming a 
powerhouse in the female world of basketball. Yeah, and uh, they're they're going to have their hands full too as well. Uh, they play a good team. I can't remember who it is, but uh, staying in Division Two, like we said, uh, Brian defeated St. Mary's forty-seven thirty-nine, or maybe it was Lima Bath. I'm sorry, forty-seven thirty-nine, uh, and they'll play uh, Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary's, like we talked about with Dave. Uh, Liberty Center defeated Van Buren 34-28. to In a defensive slugfest. For the first district championship for Liberty Center in 16 years. <laughs> and we also um, – I also <laughs> think that we set the school record for wins this season, 22, I believe. So, yeah. congratulations to the LC girls squad. And, yeah, you know, so like you said, defense wins. That's the first district championship yeah. since Todd Berdue, believe, yep. in 05, correct? Caitlin Kors. Yeah, Brooke Miller, Miller. Kirsten McEwen, um, yeah, Hope Fitzsimmons, Chelsea Meister was on that team. Erica Huffman would have been on that team. Uh, a lot of, lot of good, <laughs> a lot of good player. Uh, coach, uh, well, Kurt was on the team as well. Kurt Roars, Kurt Roars was on there. Uh, we had uh, Casey Underwood was a coach, a part of that staff. Jim Jimmy Winsman, who does some track and field stuff with Tenora now, and. Uh, you know, just a lot of people involved in that. So, shout out to the Lady Tigers for their first district title in 16 years. And, and uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the captain and uh, Spike, Spike were there for that game, too, uh, back 16 years ago. So, uh, you know, I, Mark, we'll talk how, with Coach Mark, Davis. How, how old does this make you feel? <laughs> we, uh, we, <laughs> we'll talk to Coach Davis at the end of our show here. He joined me a little earlier, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, the joy – that I saw on Coach Davis's face. face. You know, I've been yes. here for nine years. It just felt like he had finally Got the crossed the hump that he had been wanting to cross. And, uh, you know, to win in that fashion, to grind him out down to the wire. I mean, the intensity of that game throughout. I'm sitting in my house. I'm going I'm, – my neighbors are probably mad at me. I'm yelling in there like, let's go. I mean, it was intense. If you were there, I can only imagine. I Unfortunately, I couldn't be there. But, you know, I was yelling in my car. I was yelling in Walmart walking around doing my shop. Like, I was <laughs> – I was everywhere rooting on the Tigers. Fantastic victory. And, you know, Beatrice Barrett had some really timely shots. She had a, th a, a three-pointer when Liberty Center went down seven to end the first half. She had a wild running shot that somehow find a way, found a way to go in. I think she ever, uh, also added in six or seven rebounds as well. So, And uh, Liberty Center has uh, – or, excuse me, they just announced that uh, the District 7 – uh, head coach of the year has been named, and it belongs to Liberty Center head coach Tim Davis. So congratulations to Timmy D Timmy on that D. on that on that award. <laughs> uh, last but not least, OG, uh, our remaining team, OG defeated Delphus Jefferson forty-eight to thirty-four once again to win their fourth straight district championship. Chloe Glenn at fifteen and Carson Erford just a freshman with fourteen points for OG. Um, looking ahead, let's see what I got here. Oh, I might not have wrote them down. Um, oh. yeah, I did right here. Uh, okay. looking ahead, uh, we have our only area teams remaining, uh, cause Ayersville was knocked out as well. Crestview beat them 46 to 36. Crestview, a very good team. And that was in division four. So our only area teams remaining are LG, uh, LC, our, our only coverage teams remaining are LC, OG and Brian and Brian will play. Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. That game is also on Thursday, I believe. And then Liberty Center will play the Ottawa Glandorf Titans, and that will be on Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. at Alida Fieldhouse. It's about an hour drive 
uh, from Liberty Center roughly or so, not to remind any of you folks that you're going to have to stay up late to go watch a Tiger victory on Thursday. But uh, but that's hey, what but it hey, is. But, hey, when's that ever stopped the Liberty, the, the Liberty fan base? I can't name a time, and I don't think it's going to start this week, my friend. Definitely not because, obviously, no matter no matter where the game's at, Liberty fans are going to pack the stands. They're going to show up. They're going to root on the Tigers all the way through. And, uh, yeah, so we will not be the least bit shocked if we have a full side dedicated to ourselves. Uh, before we go to Coach Davis's interview, let's get our keys to victory for our Liberty Center girls squad here. Okay. So, Phil, I think with – I think it's just. I think these are just going to be obvious ones, but um, just just do what they've been doing all se- all season long. Control control the tempo. Um, keep keep the key possessions alive. Um, don't give. Up, don't be throwing the ball all over the place and not making stupid turnover turnovers. And obviously, boards is going to be um, the boards are going to be huge. So so. Mainly, I would just say boards and uh, not and keep the ball keep keep the possessions alive and not have not throw the ball around. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And my my biggest thing was, you know, Liberty Center probably could have won this game by about fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, just really struggled down the stretch making free throws. Yes, uh, you know. Van Buren did a nice job with about a minute and a half left. Started fouling they, a little they bit early. Perfect, almost majority of the whole entire game in free in the free in the free throw section. Liberty Center or Van Buren? Van Buren. Van Buren was eleven of thirteen. They they did a really nice job from the free throw line, and I think that's how they kept their lead extended in the first half was making some of those free throws. You know, Liberty Center had ten team fouls in the first. I think twelve actually team fouls in the first half, which we'll talk about with Coach Davis here in just a little bit. Yep. But uh, uh, the, uh, when I was watching the game. Uh, while watching the great Mark Bly uh, stream, uh, right uh, at halftime, I believe it was tied going into there and uh, some twenty-five key, apiece. Some uh, some key shots uh, before the half, uh, I that played a big role because LC was going into the locker room with with a good amount of momentum going in and knowing uh, the coaching staff is going to obviously, obviously you make adjustments at halftime, but knowing the defense of uh, the defense of mastermind uh, behind behind the the LC team, uh, you knew that they were going to shut down. They were going to shut down even more and uh, give um, Van Buren fits. And and it showed by body language. Van Buren was not ha- was not um, in a really good mood with LC being able to shut down and give them and make them uh, fight for what they wanted uh, for points wise uh, when they t- tried to attack the paint. Yeah, and I think my keys to victory for the Lady Tigers again: free throws, big big point for me. And then secondly, I think we found out something really important that we needed to find out for this uh, for this tournament run. Who's going to pick up some scoring if Emmy Gray struggles? Absolutely. You know, Emmy Gray has had a very good first couple of games in our tournament. She had pretty much – it seemed like she made every three-pointer that she took. Right wing three, it was cash. Struggled a little bit in this game to be able to make some of those shots. Mm-hmm. But then you look at girls like Beatrice Barrett, who just had a really nice job, a really nice game offensively, kind of getting the Tigers out of some of their slumps. So um, they're going to have to make the, the shots when they're there. They got to hit the open shots, got to make layups. Uh, and I think rebounding. Um, they really Absolutely. need to make sure that they get some second chance opportunities uh, to be able to create some more offensive opportunities. And also the uh, defensive rebound rebounds the to limit the the Lady Titans' um, second chance opportunities because you're getting 
uh, so deep into the tournament here where those second chance points could be a big factor uh, at the end of the game. Absolutely. Uh, so before we sign off here, we'll uh, we'll go to our uh, interview with Coach Tim Davis with the district championship, our district champion, Liberty Center Tigers. And welcome to the End Zone Militia. Now we are joined by the district champion head coach, Tim Davis, of the Liberty Center Varsity Girls Basketball Team. And Coach Davis, uh, congratulations on your district championship. Get to cut down nets again this weekend. Man, that's got to be a great feeling. What a win for you guys on Saturday. Yeah, thank you very much, Phil. And, you know, definitely an exciting uh, moment for our kids. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, throughout the season, wanting to create memories for for them and, and that's absolutely what happened on Saturday and couldn't be more happy how our girls played and their effort um, and them them uh, executing the defensive game plan and uh, you know we're 12 strong and we'll continue to go that way. You know you talk about your defensive game plan you know maybe not your best shooting performance of the year you know offense was definitely a struggle I think a lot of that was credited to how tough and physical physical that Van Buren was. You guys shot just 29% from the field, uh, 12 made field goals. How difficult was it for you guys to get into your offense with some of the length and physicality that, you, that they were playing with, maybe a little bit more so than what you guys have seen thus far this season? Well, I think, first of all, when you get in the tournament, you get to the district level and, and beyond, I think the, uh, the games become more physical. There's not as much cold. So, you know, I think that plays a part into it. Um, you know, and then, you know, offensively, I thought that uh, we had some timely shots. Uh, we were, of our uh, shots, we were able to knock down, I think, five three-pointers, which is huge, five or six of our points. So, um, yeah, you know, offensively, it's been a little bit of a struggle, but I, I think when you, you play defense as well as our girls did um, Saturday, Saturday afternoon, that uh, you don't need that offense quite as much. Yeah, I think you make a good point. You guys were 5 of 15 from behind the three-point line, 33%. And, you know, you said you mentioned some very timely three-pointers. Peyton Army, a senior, uh, had one in the third quarter. I think Beatrice Barrett had one in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, as you mentioned there, maybe not consistent offense, but huge shots when you needed it. Let's look at the other side of things. You hold a team to three points in the second half, second in the third quarter, just one in the fourth quarter. Talk about your girls and the effort that they put out on defense. Obviously, we can talk about the man-to-man defense of L. Moeller all day long and the other guards that you send out there with pressure, but let's talk about just how well they communicate I thought your guys' closeouts yesterday were fantastic in the second half, taking away a lot of good looks that maybe they had in the first half. So talk about a little bit maybe about that with what your girls did there. Yeah, I think our speed and our athleticism across the board um, really affected them offensively. I think they were hesitant uh, after a while because there was always someone right there. 
Um, you know, it also starts with some of our post play because one of the, the number one things that we wanted to do is make sure that we were physical with their in, their post player, the, the 24, the Busey girl, and because she's averaging 16 points a game, we held her to four. So that's a credit to our post players, first of all. And we wanted to be extremely physical with her. Um, we didn't see a lot of film where, where teams were physical with her. Um, so we wanted to do that to start with. And our girls did a really nice job of switching switching when they needed to switch. Uh, communicating that, as you said, um, you know, and, and keeping the ball out of the lane for the most part. You know, our our scouting report was to force them left. They weren't as, as confident going left as they are right. Um, you know, and our girls, every one of them executed it to a T. You know, let's talk a little bit about the first half. Uh, obviously, things were getting a little bit, you know, things were a little bit slow. Things were real physical, you know, to start. You know, kind of setting the tone with the physicality there. Obviously, at this level, you know, referees are going to be uh, let you be a little bit more physical. Talk about how well Alyssa Gisagi, um, Kaylee Bland, when she was in the in the game, Emerson Gherkin got fantastic minutes out of her defensively, just kind of giving everybody a chance to beat up on the Busey girl, like you said. Uh, talk about the interior defense that those girls did as a group on her, and I think even Beatrice Barrett with her physicality in there as well, uh, just really kind of threw off her game. Like you said, a 16-point score average-wise held to just four. So talk about the job that they did inside against her. Yeah, it was definitely a combined effort, you know, with our three bigs, starting with Alyssa. Um, you know, she got in a little bit of foul trouble. You know, got two fouls there in the first half at one point. You know, we had Kaylee Bland and, and Emerson Gherkin, and we told all three of them, so you guys are going to take turns. Uh, you got 15 fouls to get between the three of you, and we're going to be physical. And if they call fouls, they call fouls, but we wanted to wear her down because we knew they typically do not take her out of the game, and they didn't yesterday. Um, and we thought, you know, when it, by the time you got to the third, middle, midway through the third, fourth quarter, it was going to be really tough for her, you know. And you know, I think at halftime we just continued, even though we got in some foul trouble early. We had seven quick team fouls, but we didn't want to back down what we were doing because we knew at halftime, you know, those fouls start over, um, and we wanted to continue to increase our pressure and make it even tougher on them in the second half. But a lot of it did start with our interior defense and how physical we were. You know, you mentioned a little bit about those fouls there in the first half. I think you guys maybe had 12 or 13 total fouls in the first half. Obviously, with the pressure and the aggressiveness you guys play with, fouls are going to come with that defense, and I think your understanding of that, obviously, this late in the season. Was the foul con- was a fu- was the foul situation a concern for you in the first half, moving to the second half, or did you just go into halftime and said, hey, we did exactly what we wanted to do. We set the tone. We made them work for everything offensively. And now in the second half, we're going to move our feet and make things even a little bit more challenging. What was the message there from the first half to the second half regarding you know, the foul I, situation? Yeah, you know, honestly, Phil, I, I I wasn't worried at all. The only concern was maybe putting them in the, at the line in the first half. But we were down seven at one time there in that second quarter, I believe. And, you know, like we said earlier, we hit a couple of shots. And once we were able to get it tied going into halftime at 25, we were we were perfectly fine with, with how things were, with the fact that, you know, now we're, we're starting over in the second half of team fouls. Um, we have a deep bench. So, you know, we did have girls getting foul trouble but with our bench. You know, we don't lose much, you know, if anything, when we bring our subs in and, and those subs that came in did just as well as our starters. Um, you know, so really, we we felt really good at halftime going into the you know uh, third and fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I think you make a great point with that. And I do want to give kudos to Van Buren. They did do an excellent job at the free throw line, something that really kept them you know, in that lead in the early parts of the second quarter, like you talked about, that seven-point lead. They did a really nice job uh, sinking some of those free throws to extend that lead. And I thought your girls did a really nice job not to get frustrated by that and settled in really nicely. So job well done there. Let's move ahead. Let's look a little bit ahead to the opponent. Um, obviously, uh, four straight district championships for the OG Lady Titans. Um, they have some really good numbers over there, good size, good athleticism. Uh, the Chloe Glenn girl can score it from anywhere. The Erford girl is really talented. She can drive the paint, and she, uh, she has really good vision with her passes. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys are going to have to do uh, to, to hold OG in check? Yeah, it's going to take a complete effort, um, just like on Saturday. And, you know, we're going to have to get a little more offense uh, against them. But, you know, they're they're a, a state power. and they, They're in familiar territory when it becomes to, comes to regional basketball. And, you know, they have an inside-outside game. You know, they can mix things up if they have to defensively, but they're going to get after you uh, in the full court and even in the half court, you know, and try and turn you over, and, and they do it very well. So, um, and then, of course, uh, you know, they're well well coached and lots of experience there, and, you know, our girls are going to have to be locked in and, and, um, and ready to go come Thursday, but we'll take three days and, and prep and try and put our girls in the best situation possible, and, and we know that they'll go out and give everything they have, and, and that's all you can ask for, I think. Last thing here with you before we let you uh, get back to your day here. Uh, you know, you had mentioned when we started talking today about how important this meant uh, to the program, this district championship meant to the program, and how much, how much it meant to your kids. Um, specifically, uh, what does this mean for you uh, and maybe for your family and where things kind of started and where things were trending at when as your career has developed here at Liberty Center? I think you've been here nine seasons, if I'm correct. Um, so just, you know, just talk about how much it means to you personally. You know, just I really think your reaction with your assistant coach has said it all. Uh, the, the joy, the smiles, the, the cheers, I really think that speaks volume. So uh, just talk a little bit about how much this means to you uh, as a coach and, you know, as a part of this community. Well, first of all, yeah, I have great uh, assistant coaches um, that do a ton. And, you know, as, as a coaches, you, you put a lot of time into, into this. And, you know, it's not just during the season. It's also, um, you know, in the summer, in the off season, and a lot of behind the scenes type things that goes into all the coaching as, as all the coaches out there know. And, you know, and then, you know, you're spending a lot of time away from your family and, um, you know, things you miss there family wise. So, you know, it's just a, a celebration of, of all the hard work and um, being rewarded and uh, for the work that's been done by your coaches. And, you know, it, you know, it's been nine years and we've been through our rough moments, but uh, you know, this is really for, for all those girls that uh, have battled through all those tough times. And uh, we're just happy to, to be able to celebrate yesterday and, and, um, create those memories like i said earlier for our girls and at the end of the day that's what it's about you know these are things moments that you're going to remember for the rest of your life as a player and um you know these, these girls have come together and i think that's probably the the most what i'm the most proud about with these girls is you know we have 12 varsity basketball players and there isn't one of them that probably gets the minutes they should have been there okay with that and you don't typically find that so that's one that's one of the biggest things that makes me proud about this group of girls 
Well, that's a great point, Coach Davis. Uh, I know the community is behind you, and we wish you the best of luck. Obviously, <clears throat> a lot of things to be happy about. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the job is obviously not done yet. Got a couple more out there we want to go get, so we'll let you get back at it today. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, the Lady Tigers will take on the Lady Titans at Elida Fieldhouse. That will be on Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, and you can uh, go out there and check them out. Coach Davis, thank you so much for taking time with us, and congratulations on your district championship, and good luck on Thursday night. Thank you very much, Phil. All right, so that was Tim Davis, ladies and gentlemen, with a with an exclusive interview with our man Phil Snow, the stats guy. And, Phil, uh, what you, what did we uh, find out when we were uh, – before I mention that, I just want to I just want to go back to what we were talking about with you guys here. Like, I just wish that we had uh, a never-ending photo stream of some of the the pictures that could have been captured from Saturday. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think the one that's going around on the, the social media is the girls all huddled up together with the district champs thing. I love that. Yep. Um, you got the picture of them underneath the scoreboard. You hold a team to 28 points in the district championship, and we're going to get it right on a big poster and put it right up here in our studio because it's just it's phenomenal stuff. And, and the, the picture I, the picture with Coach Davis and Coach Minion and Coach Williams all together, I just that I is, just uh, think that speaks so much volumes of the work and the sacrifice that not only them but their families have to make for all this to, to come to fruition. So yeah, doesn't the saying go a picture can describe a million words? A picture correct? worth a thousand words, a absolutely. Thousand words. And there yep. was oh, there was a million. a million pictures that said a million words. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think another thing too. You know, if you guys were watching on the LC Tiger Sports live broadcast, you you had you know Scott Barrett, Beatrice's dad. You know, he's like, hey, I, I want to go down there and celebrate with the dads, and I think that was a really special moment. Uh -huh. And then not only to mention, we captured it on film that he goes down there and he gives Beatrice and his wife a hug, and I, th that's what it's all, all about, about right yes, there. And I just think that was, like I said, pictures worth a thousand words, and we had a lot of them. But uh, one last announcement we're going to leave you with uh, before we cut off here. Uh, you know, you talk about the success that the Tiger Sports have had. Um, in the six months that we've been doing this, mm -hmm. Isaiah, uh, we just got official word that um, Coach Tim Davis has been named the District 7 Head Basketball Coach of the Year for the Lady Tigers. So congratulations to Coach Tim Davis on that. Yep. And then that now marks three head coaches that Liberty Center has had that have won Coach of the Year. Uh, Casey Moeller, uh, District Coach football. of the Year for football. Bruce Engler for the boys' bowling team, and now Tim Davis for the girls' team. So three Coach of the Years in a six- to seven-month time frame. Uh, just really awesome stuff there, uh, especially coming. You know, I'm, I'm a homer, love my yeah. town, love my community, and Absolutely. love to see that. So congratulations to all those people. And, you know, we're going to keep – or we'll keep covering down the wrestling trail as we go on. Uh, the boys' state tournament's next weekend, so we'll get that brought to you uh, next weekend, including all the basketball games coming up. Next week we will also do a miniature slight – Spring, uh, spring preview just to give you a taste of what some of the baseball and softball teams are doing. We'll try to yep, get Coach Ryan Zyder on here for the yep, boys' baseball few, team. Uh, we got a few interviews, we, and we got one that's outside of Liberty, so this will be our first one in-person interview that will not be a Liberty Center head coach. So 
I was gonna say we haven't had any in-person ones that weren't, but we've had uh, some. Well, I'm like, well, I'm like, I mean, like as in like. Uh, no, I know what you mean yeah. like ones that were they're here at the studio, in the studio, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's gonna be the first time. Uh, so that's some history, some more history made here at the Endzone Militia. Um, getting the yeah. uh, everything underway, so a lot oh, of good and, stuff under roll. And we might do some a little March Madness. Oh yeah, we're definitely we're definitely gonna do a March Madness episode. And like I said, spring has a little bit less sports to offer, so we'll do some odds and end stuff here and there. That will be one of them for sure. So um, we'll open up the website uh, probably within the next week, and we will get you guys to get on your opinions who you think's gonna win. We'll talk about it. We'll match them up. We'll have some fun with that. So yep. and, that'd be uh, a fun episode. Uh, oh, and merchandise is uh, – I went to Three Chord not too long ago, and we on the we are on the verge of releasing our merchandise, and I am really excited to be announcing that. So once it's announced, um, probably it's going to be announced after one of our episodes uh, comes up and uh, get the merch link and all that set up for you guys. So uh, it's, it's really exciting. So – Phil, uh, trying to close this thing out. So shout out to our sponsors, Three Chord. Sign it, screen it, sew it, print it. With Shane Hollenball, SWAT and Welding with Norm Zyder, uh, LC Tiger Sports Studio, uh, providing the uh, the equipment and everything that can, that has provided us uh, such great high quality episodes, and Mark taking out the time out of out of his day to let us uh, produce these episodes. Yeah. The, um, also, thank you to AB Perfectionist Painting and a big thank you to Dorian Hooker's Pro Day Performance Training, uh, Josh Martin. And or known as Mr. Field Goal. <laughs> and Meyer Baden Hop Insurance. Uh, thank you once again to all those sponsors who hope make this possible. And we'll look forward to next week's episode. Absolutely. So with that being said, I'm your host, Isaiah Markle. And I'm your co-host, The Snowman. And just remember that stats are cool. And just remember, folks, there are no end zones in basketball. Not one.